listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Joshua? Really? Uh, I was having a good time. We've got, uh, last week we were in chapter 6, so do the math. I think there's 24 chapters. So we're going to get through 18 chapters today. Okay, I hope you had your coffee or whatever, but we are going to absolutely get through this book, and then while we're at it, we may just go through the rest of the Bible too. Because it's God's word, amen. Your word have I hid in my heart that I don't sin, that I don't stray, that I don't go in the wrong way. Yeah. So the word is important. Today's going to be a little different. Okay, that's why we shut down this portion a little bit sooner. Because we're going to do something a little different at the end that leads us back into worship. And we can raise up that sacrifice of praise. So I think that's important today. I think that's a word for today. Uh, thanks to the leadership of our worship team and Gracie who put that together. I just In this season right now, that we as God's people would lift up that sacrifice, declaring that he is God. Amen. Declaring that he's over everything right now. Declaring that even in our pain and our heartache, in our loss, he's still God and he can restore and he can replenish. We had a word out of Job this morning in the prayer room that the end was better than the beginning. Job wanted to give up. He said, cursed be the day I was born. I mean, you have to be feeling pretty low when you say stuff like that. When stuff like that comes out of your mouth, and he was a righteous man. But situations piled up to the point where he despaired of his very life. And seasons like that happen, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and declare that the end will be better and greater than it was in the beginning, and that God can do that. Not only can he, he will, because he loves us. We're his kids. He doesn't want to see us suffer. So let's jump into Joshua. Go to chapter 8 with me, the 28th verse. All right, last week we saw the walls come down. We marched around Jericho. Walls came down. And then this past week, while you were at home, uh, we, we had a victory over AI. Yeah. Um, we, we went and fought that battle. And didn't go so well the first time. But then they looked and they did it God's way the second time. And how many appreciate that God usually gives us another chance when we blow it the first time? Okay, that's not even in today's message. That happened in between where we're going right now. But God gave them a second chance. They had a victory. He gave them another strategy. It was different than Jericho. Don't think yesterday's strategy is going to work today. So he gave them another strategy. They did it God's way. They defeated the enemy. And now Joshua is going to take care of some unfinished business. Something that Moses told him to take care of. When you get into the promised land, 
So let's pick up the story. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. And on it they offered burnt offerings to the Lord, and they sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua inscribed on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. All Israel, foreigners and citizens alike, with the elders, officers, and judges, stood on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. I'm going to explain all this in a minute. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded earlier to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law. That would be Genesis through Deuteronomy, five books. The blessings and the cursings. Say blessings and cursings. Blessings and cursings. That's what we're talking about today. Blessings and cursings. According to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua failed to read before the whole assembly of Israel, including the women, the little ones, and the foreigners who lived among them. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you're here right now. Thank you that you love us. God, let us receive your word right now. Open our ears. Open our hearts. Lord, let us not just hear it, but let us apply it. Let us be all that you've called us to be, and let us take the promised land that you've given for us. Help us to be strong and courageous, God, in this hour, because you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And we give all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I found a graphic online. Thanks to www.bible.ca. And let's look at that real quick. And you're going to see a map. All right. So we have on the right side Mount Ebal. And that's where Joshua built the altar. And it had to be out of uncut stones. It wasn't to be finished. It was just rough. It was a rough altar made out of the materials at hand. It wasn't fancy. It was just put together. And then he put a covering of, uh, like, lime over it, and he wrote the words of the law on the altar. And then he offered sacrifices, and the Ark of the Covenant was there that represented the presence of God. So this was a holy moment, a holy place. And so from Mount Ebal, that's where half of the people stood on that mountain and they shouted the curses that would happen if the people didn't obey the covenant. And the list is long. I'm not going to go there today. But there's a long list of things that will happen if they don't trust God. And guess what? Those things happen to those people in future generations because they didn't do it. Okay, but God needed them to witness themselves. All right? So then on the other side, Mount Gerizim, those guys over there, the tribes that were appointed to that side, they got to pronounce the blessings. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed here, blessed there, your family, blessing, blessing, blessing. So we have curses on one side, blessings on the other. There's about a mile in between. 
Okay, so if we took half the church this side, you got to stay here. Then the other half went a mile down there on FM 663 or somewhere like that. Right? And you're shouting blessings and cursings at one another. Okay, that's pretty wild. Well, we probably wouldn't hear it in Midlothian. But this is a natural amphitheater. And you could hear things a mile away. And, and they've tried it. It actually, it, it's there. Okay? And uh, so there was a ceremony there. Now, in between was this settlement or this city called Shechem. And we're going to learn about that this morning. This is fascinating stuff. It is just incredible. I had no idea when I started studying this how significant this is. I just knew there was a weird Bible story that Moses said, when you get there, stand on two mountains, and half of you shout blessings and half of you shout curses, and it sounded very random. But how many of us know there's nothing random about God? There's nothing random about his word, and when you're his child, nothing in your life is just just happens. God has a plan. He has a purpose. All right, so I've got three short points this morning. All right, number one, we believe. We believe. It all starts with faith. Faith. Okay, faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. In this case, trusting God. God, you're reliable. God, your word is true. God, I can trust you. Everything's crazy all around me, but God, that word in Hebrew for firmness or assuredness, confidence, it's where we get our English word, amen. So every time you pray, you're saying, God, you're good for it. I trust you. Even if it doesn't turn out the way I think it will. How many think 2020 turned out the way you thought it would? You had no idea. Well, this little girl here, let's all gather around here and she's going to prophesy over us. Okay. <laughs> Trust, assurance, faith is conviction. Ooh, think about that. What are your convictions today? Are you really convicted that God is who he says he is? That's faith. Okay. It's not just a wishy-washy hope. Yeah, I have faith. You know, I have faith that the mailman's going to come today. I have faith that the trash guy's going to come when I put my trash out. Don't you hate when they don't come? It's like, oh, no, the varmints. Have anyone had any varmints get into your trash? It's horrible. All right? We did. When, when, when we had, when Paul was a baby, we had dirty diapers in the trash. Some creature got in there, and I had messy, dirty diapers all over my front lawn. And ever since that day, I don't put my trash out the night before. I get up early. I put it out in the morning. You needed to know that today. <laughs> to believe means that you are convinced. You have a conviction about it. It is confirmed. It means you can say I amen to it. All right? Okay. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right, do we have faith today? All right. Is God real? Is there a reward waiting for us if we believe that he's real? I hear some people with conviction today. That is so great. All right. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. You thought it was the shofars blowing. You thought it was the people walking around. It was faith that enacted that because they had to trust God enough to be ridiculous. They had to trust God enough to look like fools. What are you doing? God told me to do it. I'm marching. Well, they didn't feel so foolish on the seventh day when the walls came down. Just believe that if you're walking in obedience to God, it may look foolish to the world, but when the walls come down, when the victory is shouted, God is glorified. We've got to have faith. That's how the walls came down. Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal by faith, believing that God had spoken through Moses. Spoken when you get into the promised land and he had to fight and have victory in Jericho. Those walls had to come down. And then he had to have victory in Ai before they could get to that place. Now, there were battles after this, guys. That's the, the other 18 chapters. There's a lot of battles. There's 31 kings. I think that's awesome. One for every day of the month. There's a victory for one every day of the month. So he won this mighty thing. All right, so he built this altar, believing, because when we give a sacrifice, when we come in and sing, like, like today when we offer, when we, we just don't come in and sing, all right? We're not the tabernacle choir. Some of you could be. But when we offer, when we make our joyful noise, we're believing that we're making declarations that go to God's throne and that the atmosphere is changing and that miracles are happening and that somehow in the heavenlies things are shifting. Okay? That's why you sing. That's why you praise. That's why you speak out even when it doesn't feel right. Even as Gracie said, if you don't like the song, sing even louder. Right? Or sit down and, and, and don't sing, but you just pray. You just offer up a sacrifice. You, it's by faith, guys. It's by faith we come here, not because we have an obligation or religious duty. I come here and I share the word believing that the word never returns void. Amen. And that if we pay attention to it, God's going to change our lives. Amen. And it's not through our own good efforts. It's because Jesus Christ took our punishment on the cross. And he's changing us from glory to glory. That's what his word says. And if it's not true, let's pack up and go home. Everything we do has to be in faith, guys. When we go to work, Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Saturday or whenever you work, you're working in faith that you're going to get paid for what you're doing, right? Well, God's the rewarder of every good deed that we ever do. We're doing it 
by faith, believing that God is going to take care of us because our paycheck really doesn't come from our employer. It comes from God Almighty. So Joshua built an altar by faith. He worshiped by faith. He believed that God would accept his offering. The people gathered by faith in God and in their leadership. Okay, Joshua says he's following God. I guess we're going to follow Joshua. By faith, they believed that there was a God in heaven who saw them and who would reward them. And it's by faith that we serve him now. We come to church by faith. We worship in faith. We pray in faith. We follow in faith. We serve in faith. We believe. Do we believe today? Amen. Amen. All right. Number two, we belong. We believe. We belong. Our identity is found in the covenant. The people in Joshua's day had to grasp a new identity. They weren't slaves in Egypt anymore. That had been their identity. They weren't wanderers. They weren't even warriors because by now they were probably getting identity around the fact that they go to battle and they fight and they win, okay? Their identity is... And our identity has to be that we are God's people. We are his children. So whatever identity you have, Gary the postal worker. No, he's Gary the man of God. Okay, Gracie the worship leader. Ryan the AT&T guy. Don't take it out on him, okay? He just works there. You just think about it. Even missionary, that's not your identity. Your identity is not what you do, it's who you are. And it's who God says you are. And God said, these are my people, and I want them to know their identity. And I, know that, I want them to know that if they obey the words of the covenant, they are blessed. And I want them to know that they're my kids, and if they don't obey, bad things are going to happen. They're just going to happen. All right? It's just the way it is. Okay, so 1 Peter 2.9 speaks to us, and it says, you are a chosen people. Okay, so who are you today? Say chosen. Okay, you're a royal priesthood. Who are you today? I'm royal. All right. You are a holy nation. I'm holy. All right. You are God's special possession. Let's say that. I am God's special possession. You are called to declare the praises of him. I'm a praiser. That's my identity. You are called to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. I'm a child of light. I'm not just barely making it. I am an overcomer. He called me out of darkness into his wonderful light, marvelous light. It's just light. Okay? We belong in the light, guys. That's our identity. We're his children. We belong. Now, Exodus 19.5, way, 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 way back in Exodus, God speaks to and through Moses, and he says, if you, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. 
He wanted them to know that they were special. It's okay to know you're special, right? When we raise our kids, we want them to know they're special. And, and sometimes we think, well, if I tell them this, they're going to think they're too special. Well, that's okay. That's between you and them. So you're special to God doesn't mean that you are proud of that because we're humble. We're humble. You can be special and keep that on the inside. Okay? Not only does it say it in Exodus 19.5. Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. Deuteronomy 7.6 says you're a special possession. Deuteronomy, try saying that five times fast. Deuteronomy 14.2, you're my special possession. Psalm 135.4, you're my special possession. Malachi 3.17, you're my special possession. And 1 Peter 2.9, you are God's special possession. King James says peculiar people. To some people that applies more than others, okay? That just means you're not peculiar, special. Special. You know, special and holy are very similar. You know that, that, that china that grandma had that she only pulled down for the holidays? It's not worth anything anymore. Too bad. We got quite a bit of it. If anyone wants some, talk to us. All right, give you special deal. Special deal for special china. Special holiday. No, it's set aside for a purpose, a special purpose. That's what holy means. That's who you are. Okay? All right, so the first promise and the first blessing is that we belong. We are his people, his children, his covenant choice. Now, in all those Old Testament verses, God was speaking to the nation of Israel, but I got good news today for all of us. Romans 9.25 says, concerning the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people. If you're not Jewish today, you're a Gentile. All right? God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people. I will now call my people and I will love those whom I did not love before. That's you and me. We're all called in. All right? Once Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we're special. All right? So as part of a faith family, we now belong. Even though we aren't descended from the Jewish race, our Father God has adopted us into his family, and we belong. Our identity is in him. I belong. You belong. God has a place for you. All right, number three, we are blessed. We are blessed. So we believe, we belong, we're blessed. It's a conditional blessing, though, guys. It's conditional. Listen to this. If you, there's, there's the if chapters. If you believe, if you obey, if you follow, if you trust, if you act, Jesus said, if you abide in me. What does that mean? I'm connected. In order to be blessed, I must be connected. Remember that. Blessed equals connection equals blessed. Blessed with God. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. These are the, the beginning of all these blessings that they were shouting across the mountain. Okay? Now... If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God and are careful to follow his commandments I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all other nations and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the voice of the Lord your God. Man, that'd be a great name for a book, wouldn't it be? Overtaken by blessing. Well, that should be you and I. How do we get that? We obey. 
We're connected. We stay connected. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Blessed. All right. Let's wrap it up. Believe, belong, blessed. Can you remember that? All right. Joshua called the nation. Why did he call them to that place? Let's put the map back up there. Joshua called the nation to Shechem. Okay, remember? You got the two mountains, Ebal and Gerizim, in between. Because I just kept thinking, what were they shouting over? They were shouting something over a place. And that place was called Shechem. Because significant things occurred there before. It was in Shechem. And this was a major crossroads of the ancient world. Okay, This is where Abram, who later became Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation... This is where where he first came when he came into the land. And God promised Abraham. This was a place of promise. In that place, centuries before, God promised to Abraham that the land was to be his. It was here that Abram's grandson, Jacob, settled and bought real estate Jacob had paid for land right there. And he buried his idols. And he built an altar. Now, we started this series in the 24th chapter. Where that very famous word, those very famous words, choose today who you will serve. After fighting all those battles with the 31 kings all over the nation of Israel, Joshua brought them back to the same place in between the two mountains of blessing and cursing where the altar was to this very significant place of Shechem, and he caused them to recommit themselves to the Lord. Joshua called them to this historically significant site because what he had to tell them preached louder in Shechem than it would anywhere else. Not just because of the natural amphitheater, but because of the history that had happened there. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. He starts to review their history by reminding them that Abram, the father of the Jewish nation, was an idolater prior to becoming the father of the Jewish nation. And he said, look, your great, 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 great granddaddy came here. And he got rid of his idols. And he served the one true and living God. And you've just been given victory over nations who worship these very same idols. And you have to choose today. Are you going to serve them 
or are you going to serve the one true God? So this is where Joshua comes full circle, and he ends the book. And it's where we started with this series with the words, choose this day whom you will serve. Will you serve the gods of this land, which are idols, or will you serve the one true God? Blessing or curse? One true God, idols. But you get to choose. You get a choice. You're not being forced. Christianity is not being forced on anyone. You need to choose for yourselves. But it's really not that difficult of a choice when you look at it. Eternity of blessing at the right hand of God our Father or being cursed to an eternity without him. Israel had a choice, and they had a choice in every single generation. In the Bible, the Old Testament in particular, is a history of good choices and bad choices. When they chose well, they prospered, they were blessed, their borders were extended, they had plenty of grain. When they chose not so well, the enemies came in and they stole what they did have. They stole the blessings. And we have a choice right now. In this hour, in this day, will we serve ourselves? Because <laughs> this is the biggest idol there is right now. Me, 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 me. Am I going to serve me? Am I going to serve fame? Am I going to serve success? Am I going to serve education? Am I going to serve money, materialism? If we choose God, we will have blessing. But most of all, you know what the greatest blessing is? We'll have him. And he will have us. Because we are his most prized possession. He says it over and over and over. You're my kids. I love you. And that wasn't the end of the story for Shechem. That wasn't the end of the story for that piece of real estate. Because it was in that place, which later in the time of Jesus became Samaria. Now think about this. This is totally powerful. Jesus Christ went through Samaria, which was no man's land, no go for the Jews. And he sat at the well that Jacob had dug on the property that Jacob owned in between the two mountains, the mountain of blessing and the mountain of curses. And he met a lady that no good Jew would ever have talked to, a lady who worshipped because the Samaritans built their temple on top of Mount Gerizim where the blessings were spoken. They set up their own religion, took it away from Jerusalem, put it on that mountain. So when they're talking about worship, could look right up there. Well, this is where we worship. We draw water from Jacob's well. This is where our blessing comes from, right here in this ground. They're sitting on the edge of the well in view of both mountains, the blessing and the cursing. And Jesus is breaking down wall after wall after wall, cultural walls, walls between men and women, walls between Jew and Gentile, and he's proclaiming truth, and he's telling her how to worship. He's saying, it doesn't matter. 
if you worship on that mountain or worship in Jerusalem because I have water that'll quench every thirst that you've ever thought about. You're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And the blessing has arrived. The blessing is in truly worshiping and knowing how special you are. And Jesus told her how special she was. Even though she had wrecked her life. Right there. Right then. And you know what the name Shechem actually means? It means shoulders. You have those two mountains. It's like the shoulder blades. And that town was built in the middle. And, and it means a place of carrying, a place of burden. Because when you carry a burden, this picture a backpack. But it wasn't necessarily a bad connotation. It was a responsibility. It was a place of responsibility. That's why they came there, because to claim the covenant is to claim a responsibility that I'm going to worship I'm going to carry this weight. The priests carried a weight on their shoulders with the tribes of Israel written on them so that they would be reminded that they had a responsibility. And we are that royal priesthood, and we carry that weight. But Jesus came to a people. The Samaritan woman was carrying a weight of sin. She was carrying a weight of rejection. She was carrying a weight in her soul, a weight of her whole society. And Jesus came at a time when the people were carrying a weight of having to maintain laws that God never even gave them. People kept adding and adding and adding to the weight and the burden of laws that they would have to follow if they were going to be righteous. And it says in Isaiah 9, 6, the government is on his shoulders. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're weighed down. He, he said that to a people who are weighed down with religion. They were weighed down with rule by the Romans. They were weighed down in their souls. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. You're bent over with the weight of the world right now. I'm going to take that weight. And I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to carry the weight for you. My yoke, my connection with you is easy. My burden that I'm going to give you, it's light. And that altar was built. The altar was built on the mountain of cursing. The altar was built. Jesus took the curse for us. If we accept his weight, we accept his blessing. He took the cross on his back. That was the weight that he carried for you and I so that we wouldn't have to carry that. The weight of death and the weight of punishment for the sins that we've all committed. And we get the blessing. We get the joy. And yet, some days we come under that weight, don't we? <laughs> we come under the weight of religion for trying. We come under the weight of rejection. And it's in those moments we need to remember Jesus' words. And we need to remember this special place 
that God kept bringing his people back to, the place of blessing. And we need to remember that the curse was removed far from us if we abide in him. I promised you we're going to do something a little different today. So we're going to build an altar. Not an actual one, don't worry. That if we're offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12, where's the altar? It's right here. Okay. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to go out through those doors, and Jeremy is strategically located there to get those doors open. And we're going to go out to our new worship auditorium, and we're going to build an altar there in here. And we're just going to listen for his voice. And we're going to sing, Lord, I give you my heart. And God's going to speak to us. And if God gives you a word, a prophetic word to share, then share it. Okay? We don't need microphones. We don't need amplification. We don't need a roof over our heads. And, and we're going to dedicate that slab. We're going to dedicate ourselves. Okay? And, and we have to know one final thing happened at Shechem. That's where Joseph's brothers sold him to slavery. It's where they threw him in a pit, and he thought it was over. He was taken to Egypt. His bones came back with Joshua, and he was buried right there. That was a testimony that you can sell me to slavery, but God's going to have the last word. He was buried in the place of blessing. Some of us feel like maybe we've been sold, betrayed, given over. Hey, you're in God. You're his special possession. He's going to have the last words. He's going to even watch over your bones. All right, let's stand up together.